currently talking about the Bible and talking about how we can engage with the Bible and um, Joel started us off uh, two weeks ago talking about the narrative of the Bible and how we can engage with the narrative of the story of the Bible. Last week at Dinner Church we talked about the design patterns of the Bible and how we can understand the different design patterns. It's all right, Annika, we can just finish there, that's fine. <laughs> Love it. Let's thank Annika. Yeah, so last week we were talking about design patterns. If you missed that, um, come chat to us. We would love to discuss what that means. But this week we're going to be talking about meditation and how the Bible is designed in a way that we are to engage with it, that we aren't just to dissect it, we aren't just to study it, even though those things are great, but we're actually engaged with the Bible. Um, I left my Bible in the car. No, um, never mind. Thanks to you, digital technology, for um, having our back here. But um, I wanted to kind of cover this topic because I think... Uh, we can sometimes get stuck, and I think starting off with, um, with the Bible and talking about all the different ways we can view the Bible, we can sometimes um, feel quite disengaged from, from the, the, per- the power and the purpose of what the Bible is supposed to do in us. And so I would like to um, yeah, delve into that a little bit deeper tonight. Um, hopefully uh, you're with me with that. Yeah, that would be great. Um, and so I wanted to start off with a scripture uh, where Paul the Apostle is talking about how the Bible needs to be more than this. Our Christian life needs to be more than just study. It needs to be more than just pulling apart what happened with Jesus. It needs to be so much more than that. Otherwise, there's no power in it. Um, And so tonight, I want to possibly remind some of us, or maybe I want to highlight for the first time for some of you, um, what it means to engage with Scripture and how it is supposed to shift things in us. And so in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 2 Um, verses 1 to 10. First off, um, the chapter before this, Paul is talking to the church of Corinth, um, and he is addressing in them different dividing theories that are happening in the church. So imagine us sitting here today, and you're sitting next to somebody, and they're whispering to you right now, like, oh, I don't agree with that, or like, or you're having a coffee out the back afterwards, and They're just slagging on what I said in my message or whatever. (laughs) Just trying to set the scene a little bit. So there's a bit of discontent. There's a bit of like, is that really true? Or um, does that really link up to what we believe? Uh, So Paul's addressing this um, in the the church of Corinth in chapter one. Um, But he's not like just like, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. Why are you doing that? Why are you doing that? Um, He's actually pulling it back um, to something much further than that. Oh, much deeper than that, sorry. Uh, And so in chapter 2, he starts um, in verse 1, if you want to pull it up on your devices, I've got it on the screen, I think, yeah, we go. Um, And it says, When I first came to you, dear brothers and sisters, I didn't use lofty words and impressive wisdom to tell you God's secret plan. For I decided that while I was with you, I would forget everything except Christ the one who was crucified. I came to you in weakness, timid and trembling, and my message and my preaching were very plain. There's a word for all those people there that expect really exciting, crazy preaching. (laughs) Rather than using clever and persuasive speeches, I relied only on the power of the Holy Spirit. I did this so that you would trust not in human wisdom, but in the power of God. 
Yet when I am among mature believers, I do speak with words of wisdom, but not the kind of wisdom that belongs to this world or the rulers of this world who are soon forgotten. No, the wisdom we speak of is the mystery of God, his place, sorry, his plan that was previously hidden, even though he made it for our ultimate glory before the world began. But the rulers of this world have not understood it. If they had, they would not have crucified our Lord. That is what the scriptures mean when they say, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. But it was to us that God revealed these things by his spirit. For his spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deepest secrets. No one can know a person's thoughts except that person's own spirit. And no one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. And we have received God's spirit. Anyone want to just sit there? We have received God's spirit. I just think that's ridiculous. That we could have our own spirit. We could have our own thing that we're doing. And God in all his glory, his spirit, that searches the hearts and the depths of the human, of the human soul. That searches the depths of humanity but we get to experience his spirit. We have received his spirit, not this world's spirit, not what is the undertones of what's happening in our society, but we have received God's spirit so that we can know the wonderful things that God has freely given us. See, what I think Paul is highlighting to the Corinthians is you can be hearing this and you can be hearing this and you can be thinking this and you can be searching what does this mean and we can be trying to discover all these different things and theories and philosophies and thoughts that add to our life and pull from here and pull from here. Or we could be sitting in our community, sitting in our workplaces, standing at the water cooler or at the soccer pitch wherever we are, and we can be hearing all of this murmur, all of this talk. But what Paul is saying is, no, that is not how we started. That is not how we received the love of God. That is never how we received connection with him and communion with him. So why would we keep on going in a way that we never started in? And so what Paul is highlighting here is that if we started in the Spirit, if we received the adoption of salvation through God, through Christ and what he has done for us, if we only received that and were enlightened by that through his Spirit, then we shouldn't be trying to access that continually every day with other means. Although there's great things about understanding the Bible and dissecting it and studying it and those things are fantastic, we can't expect to have communion with God through those things. And so that's what I want to highlight tonight, and that's what I want us to go deeper in a little bit tonight. And so this has been my experience through the ebbs and flows of life, through different stages where I thought I was really, really wise, and then other years where I just get knocked down by circumstance, and you're like, oh, no, I still got to learn a bit more, Um, that you can go through these times in Christianity um, and just in even life where you thought you knew it, you thought you understood it, and then you flawed and you're like, okay, I just need to start from from scratch again, maybe. (laughs) Um, And that's a beautiful place to be. And my experience is that we should always have that in the undertone of our approach to God, that we are never so wise that we know everything, that we are never so full of his spirit that we can't receive more of his spirit. And so 
I want to kind of continue on this metaphor of biblical symphony with the thought that we are all musicians in my dreams. Um, but we are all musicians in an orchestra, standing together as a church or just, you know, just a group of people, whatever. We're, we're musicians tonight in an orchestra. Orchestra. Orchestra? Orche when you say that a lot, it messes with you. Sure, we might know how to play an instrument as a musician. Maybe we're really, really good at it, like Connor. There's just some weird instruments that he just knows how to play, like the mandolin. Like, he just whipped that out at Christmas when no one was watching. Dun, 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 dun. Like, crazy. We're musicians. We may know how to play an instrument. We may be really good at that instrument. We may have had many experiences that have given us the credibility to be a great musician. But unless we submit in an orchestra to the conductor, to the composer, unless we submit to their plan, to their purpose, to their design, unless we submit to his authority, to submit to their leading of us, then we're just a bunch of musicians playing all sorts of things, trying to go in all sorts of different directions. And yes, he may have given us great skill and he may have placed in our hands great things, but are we willing to humbly submit to his leading. And I'm talking about the spirit here, I'm talking about God. If we link this in with our relationship with him. What has he given us in our hands that maybe we've run off a little bit with? What has he trusted us with that we've forsaken maybe humbling ourselves before him again with? And you know, you may be doing great in this, you may be having a great time this year, 2020. Uh, following God and following him in, in this way. But maybe you haven't. Maybe you haven't been feeling it. Maybe you haven't been hearing him anymore. Maybe you've never heard God's voice before in your life. Maybe you've never sat and opened a Bible and recognized that he was speaking to you directly about something. Where we once have felt indifferent to God, lacking a passion to follow him, possibly even offended by something the gospel has said that we've read in the word. I don't know if anyone else is out there that's been offended by something. I'm like, what is that? <laughs> um, or possibly the way the church is disillusioned by past experiences. Maybe we're stuck in that place. And so God came by his grace, not because of our goodness, we have to remember this. God came with his spirit by his grace through Jesus Christ to teach us his ways and impart his truths into our heart, not by our own doing, not by our own wisdom, not by um, the wisdom of our pastor or the wisdom of our parents. He's given us his spirit and he speaks to us by his spirit and he mends us, he restores us, he renews us, not just as individuals but a collective, that as we are being restored, as we are being renewed, it's rubbing off on the person next to us. As we are, are, are talking to the person next to us about what God is doing in our hearts, as we are felt led to pray for people and, and serve other people, then we are carrying his spirit, we are being led by his spirit. And so that is what I'm talking about, but in relation to the Bible. Where is she going? Is that what you're thinking? Where is she going? I'm going somewhere. So if we're forever messing up or we're hitting the ball sometimes in the right park and then sometimes in the other park, we can't be 
losing our place and feeling terrible about ourselves. But I've found that there are certain ways that God calls us into alignment with him. So if we are this musician, if we are this um, piece of the orchestra, and he is trying to lead us, he's trying to take us somewhere, he's trying to take our church somewhere, C3 North Perth, he's trying to take us, a people of faith, somewhere together. He's going to do that through his word. He's going to speak to us through his word. And so how are we going to let that sit? How are we going to... How are we going to take that? How are we going to learn from that? I want to look at Psalm, Psalm 1, the very first psalm. And I'm going to need a swig of water. Psalm 1. And I wanted to take us here because if we're talking about how to hear from God and how to be in line with his spirit, I learned from a very young age that um, meditating on the word of God is so very important. And to one point that um, a pastor once taught me to memorize this scripture verse, um, and that way it would get into me, and (laughs) I would never leave it, and I would never forsake it. Sometimes I do forget it, so I'm going to read it out to you (laughs) tonight. Um, Verse 1, blessed is the man slash woman who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he shall meditate day and night. He shall be like the tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in all seasons, whose leaf never withers, and he shall prosper in all that he does. The ungodly are not so, but they are like the chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the ways of the righteous, but the ways of the ungodly shall perish. And I think this is a pretty sobering view of what I'm talking about. That if we choose to delight in the Lord, if we choose to meditate on his word, his ways, his teachings, if we choose not to just perspire, subscribe to reading the word sitting down and just getting through it and just ticking off that box but if we truly delight in that if we truly are gleaning from him if we are truly seeking his spirit for understanding then there is blessing not by way necessarily of of financial prosperity I'm not talking about that here but I'm talking about a full content peace in our lives I'm talking about a stillness when there doesn't need to be a, where there shouldn't be a stillness. I'm talking about times where you are going through crazy situations and you just hear something of him and you're okay. That blessed is the man who sits not in the seat of the scornful. I hope I'm saying that right. No, probably not. <laughs> we're not sitting, we're not standing, we're not walking in the way of the ungodly. We're not getting lost, we're not getting off track but we're deciding to meditate on his ways. We're deciding to do that day and night. And as a byproduct of that, we are producing beautiful things from our lives. When we're planted by the river, when we're planted by the source of life, we don't prosper through our own strength, we don't prosper through our own doing, but we prosper when we're planted in him. We prosper when we're in line with him. 
And so I believe this psalm gives us a picture of the vibrant life of Christianity. It doesn't give us a picture of like, if you just do this good thing, then you're good and you're going to be great forever. It gives us a picture of living a life of the Spirit. It gives us a picture of walking in step with the Spirit. It gives us a picture of being planted firmly in His ways, but not out of a religiosity, but in a way of love, out of a way of adoration towards Him. And so meditating, what does that mean? What does meditating mean? Meditating means to mutter to oneself or to speak quietly. Muttering, I love that word. If we were to meditate on the day of, sorry, if we were to meditate on the word of God, we're basically just sitting there going, blah, 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 blah. No, I'm just kidding. That's how I picture it. But, but muttering is speaking to ourselves. I think muttering in my head was different, but muttering is, is speaking to our hearts, speaking to ourselves, speaking to our minds, when we live in a society where so much is rife, so much is opposing God, this practice is so important. And so some people look at meditation and think yoga. Think just sitting there in silence, not saying anything, emptying one's thoughts. And that's one view of meditation. But biblical meditation is something different. Biblical meditation is replacing our thoughts with the Word of God. Biblical meditation is delighting in the Word, is, is replacing what is going on up here, the inner turmoil, the, the, that caught me off guard, why am I thinking about this, why have I been thinking about this for two weeks now? <laughs> when something happens to you, someone says something to you, and those thoughts start going off again, when you are in the midst of what seems like a very epic thing in your life, whether a good, good thing or a bad thing, and your inner talk starts just going off again. Well, that's what I'm talking about. When we're meditating, when we're taking in the word, we're replacing those thoughts, we're replacing what's going on up in there with his word. And we're not just doing that out of our own strength, but we're doing it by spirit. And so I wanna go in this a little bit more deeper. So there's this practice this practice of meditation. There's many, 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 many types of meditation in Christianity over the years, over the decades, over the centuries. But there's this specific type of meditation of biblical meditation that is called Lectio Divinia. Um, sounds really fancy. Sounds really like, oh, what are you going to teach me to do now, Michaela? Lectio Divinia, what is this? Um, basically, it's just Latin for divine reading. So it might sound really fancy, but really it's just a simple practice. It's a simple practice, an ancient, simple practice of reading the Bible. And so it goes a bit like this. Broke up into four practices. We can move to the first one. Thanks, Isaiah. Give it up for Isaiah on the AV tonight. Hey, doing a great job. Doing a great job. So it might sound complicated or like too fancy for me, but it's really simple. First one is to prepare and read. This is the first practice of Divinia. No, Lectio Divinia. Everyone just say Lectio Divinia. Hopefully I'm pronouncing that right. Prepare and read. The first step before we start doing things, when we come to the Word of God, if we're wanting to meditate on the Word of God, is to prepare ourselves. We're going to pull out this ancient text and we're going to try and make sense of it hopefully not in our own wisdom, but we're going to try and engage with God. That's, our, that's what we're trying to do here. We're going to sit down, we're going to stand up, we're going to go to some peaceful spot by the river, whatever we're doing, hiding in a closet from kids, I don't know. 
but we're trying to engage with scripture. The first thing we need to do before we try and tackle this is we need to prepare ourselves for that moment. Like I was talking about with all the thoughts racing through our heads, if we don't choose to switch that off, if we don't choose to engage in a different way with our scripture, everything that's going on through here is going to go through the filter of what we're reading. And so I've experienced, and through this particular practice, that we're not emptying all our thoughts, but we're letting them be transformed by the word of God. But we also need to prepare ourselves and still ourselves in that moment. Because if we're taking in all our stress and we're taking in all that's going on in the week and we're not stopping for a moment to prepare ourselves for what we're about to experience, then we're potentially going to miss it. And so this references the psalm that's in Psalm 46, verse 10. It says, Be still and know that I am God. This practice recommends preparing ourselves to achieve, achieve sorry, a calm state. This might take some time. This might take some practice. We can't expect that every day we're going to arrive in this moment and just be like, okay, now it's all tranquil. Let's go. But we have to try and, and sit down and address that before we're going to go from there. And so some examples would be sitting quietly and in silence. For some people, this is horrible. <laughs> for some people, sitting and not talking at all for a long period of time or even a short period of time, me, this is me talking right here about myself, is really difficult. But it's very, very important. If we're going to claim to have any opportunity to hear from God, then we've got to close this thing right here. And so sitting still, quietly and in silence, putting away distractions, getting away from people, that's a distraction, getting away from devices that are distractions, sometimes even getting away from the birds that are distractions. <laughs> I love ducks. They distract me a lot when I'm at the park. Oh, whoops, I was supposed to be praying. Just like beautiful ducks. Whatever the distraction is for you, and maybe it's something as you're sitting there, you're going to recognize, oh, like I'm not even thinking about what I was here to think about for a moment. But it's a practice that we need to get used to. But it's much like what Jesus talked about, going into the closet, closing the door, getting away from everything and seeking his face. I'm going to keep going. We move on from the preparation side of things to the reading. So reading the Word of God is really important. We can't just expect that we're going to hear something from God if we're not first reading the Word as well. And so my tip on this is through this practice is to go slow and go gradual rather than lots of quantity. If you're opening up the Word of God, whether it be in the Psalms, whether it be teachings from Jesus, whether it be whatever, we're not just like speed reading, getting as much as we can done because we forgot to study that week, so we're just going to get lots more. So that's going to make things better for us. When we've taken a place of silence, when we've stilled ourselves and we're switching off those thoughts, we're switching off the distractions, like God wants to speak to us through this word. He wants to speak to us to what is in front of us. And if we think that by just racing through it all, we're going to get more out of it, we're kidding ourselves. And so my tip here is slow and gradual. This is a type of attentive reading that begins this process of a higher understanding. 
And it's not through ourselves, but we're sitting there slow and gradually reading this scripture with the hope that God is going to speak to us through it, with the hope that his spirit is going to trigger something. He's going to ping, like, oh, I've never seen that like that before. I've never understood that, that scripture before like that. In the traditional Benedictine approach to this, the passage is read slowly four times over, each time with a slightly different focus on what is being read. So just giving you an idea of what that means. We move on to practice two, and this is all in kind of the same sitting I'm saying here. So one is to prepare and read. Next is to meditate, and this is what I was talking about, uttering. But it also refers to pondering, pondering and considering. When the passage is read, it is generally advised not to try and assign a meaning to it. When we're meditating on the scripture, we're not just like trying to analytically dissect it. We're not trying to look up our commentary and figure out what the original authors are trying to say. Those things are good. Those things are important. But in this particular time, we're speaking it over ourselves. We're mulling it over. We're reading it over and over again. We're going, okay, Lord, what is this? What are you trying to show me here? What are you trying to speak to me about this? What are you trying to highlight to me about this? When we come to the word of God, we're not just expecting that it's not going to change something in us. But what we're not doing is dissecting it. I want to go there a little bit more. So in John 14 verse 27, Jesus is talking at the Last Supper and he says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. And so an analytical approach to this particular scripture would be, why is Jesus saying that to the disciples? Why was he saying it at the Last Supper? Like what was happening in that room at the time whilst he was saying that? But in this particular way of meditating, we're not doing that. We're going with the, Lord, give me your peace. I want to experience your peace by your spirit. I don't want to just know about your peace. I need your peace right now. And it's meditating on that scripture in that sense. So rather than dissecting the scripture, we're focusing and entering and sharing in Christ's peace in that moment. We move on to the third, which is to pray. When we pray, we let our prayers not just be full of selfish interests and pleas for God's help, although those things happen, but let them be humble and earnest towards God, inspired by scripture that we've just been meditating on. And so we've come through this place of preparation, of silence, of stillness. We're then moving to a place of reading and reading and reading and reading and reading and pondering and pondering and mm. <laughs> And then we're moving into a place of prayer. Sometimes we put prayer over here and we're like, why God, why? And we're like, Lord, help me with this and this and this and this. But we've not stopped to still ourselves. We've not stopped to read his word. We've not stopped to think about his word. We've not stopped to think about what Jesus is saying to us. We've not stopped to consider what that means to me right now and what that means in the society that I live in right now. Until we've done some of those things, we can't expect ourselves to be speaking or praying to God in a way that's in line with his ways, that's in line with his will. And so I wanted to highlight this because out of a humble, earnest desire to see all that God has been doing in our time with him, we want to see that in our lives today. 
we want to be praying, Lord, let your kingdom come, let your will be done here at, in, in our community here in Perth, here in my high school, here in my university, here in my workplace, my family situation, my personal state. I want what you've been teaching me to come alive in those things. And so we're not speaking our will and our way like a musician playing a solo moment when he's not supposed to be playing a solo moment. But we are in line with his teaching, his ways. We are delighting in the law of the Lord and meditating on it day and night, allowing it to shift the way we think, allowing it to change our perspective. St. Ambrose, on the importance of prayer with scripture, states, and let them remember that prayer should accompany the reading of sacred scripture so that God and man may talk together. For we speak to him when we pray. We hear him when we read the divine sayings. So praying the scripture, praying it over yourselves, praying it over your situations, letting it shift the way you communicate with God brings the spirit into what we do with him. So let it be humble, let it be earnest. And then we move to four, contemplation. So you might be thinking, but wait a second, we just meditated. We just like contemplated then, right? <laughs> I already did that. <laughs> contemplation is a little bit different. It's more silence. I'll give you that, I'll just be honest. It's more like, I don't know what I'm thinking, I don't know what I'm doing, but Lord, what are you doing? that I've come from this place of silence over here where I was getting rid of it all, and now I'm returning to silence where I'm like, okay, what is it now? What is it now that you're trying to speak to me? What is it now that you're trying to prompt in me? Now that I'm ready to hear from you, now that I have pushed aside the things that are not of you, now I can hear you. And so what I fear is that a lot of Christians never ever really get to this place where they're fully ready and waiting to hear from God because they're still caught up over here praying things to God that he hasn't spoken over them, that he's not trying to do in them. And this isn't something to make us feel terrible. This is something to make us go, oh, okay, there you go. Maybe you've been stuck in a situation, and I know I've had plenty of these, where I'm going through the same things over and over and over again, and I'm pleading to God, and I'm like, Lord, shift this in my life. But I haven't sat down to the scriptures. I haven't mulled over what Jesus is saying about this way of living. I haven't then um, been thinking about it and pondering it and talking about it with my husband or with my, my parents or with my friends. I haven't been letting it into my life. And this is what I believe the Lord wants to do through the Spirit in us. Some people have likened this particular way of approaching the scriptures to feasting on the word of God. Has anyone ever heard that term before? I'm going to eat the word of God. It's a really weird way of saying it, but Lectio Divinia has been likened to feasting on the word. First, we take a bite. Arr, like an apple. We take a bite and read the word. Then we're chewing on it. Anyone scared of hearing chewing? It's a weird... Weird, weird, weird thing to hear, especially on a microphone. We're chewing on it. We're meditating on it. Then we're savoring its essence, whatever that means, with an apple in your mouth. 
We're savoring it through prayer. We're savoring oh, what's going on here. What are the flavors in my mouth? I don't know. This is getting a bit weird. Um, but then we're digesting it. <laughs> then we go there. But through contemplation, through, through an ongoing, it's not just yesterday I thought about this. It's not just, oh, yesterday I read this thing and now I've forgotten what I read yesterday. It's a continual repetition. It's a continual, okay, where is this going? What is this doing? And there you go. That's, that's it. See ya. No, I'm just kidding. Um, that's a four-step. Sounds like I'm advertising something. It's a practice, four different steps of how we can meditate on the Word of God, how we can dive into His Word, how we can let it transform what we're doing. But like I was talking at the start, if we think like we can with studying or with analysing the Word of God, if we think we can just like tick these boxes, tick, 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 then we're missing the point completely. God's calling us to a place, I believe, as a church where we are doing this on a regular basis, where we are hearing what he is saying, where we are letting it register with us as individuals, but then we are letting it shift and transform the way we engage with the people around us and I believe God is wanting to speak by his spirit to us on a number of things a number of things the endless opportunities surround us that he is wanting to speak to us directly about what is going on in somebody that we work with what's going on in their life not in a way that's going to make you feel horrible but to empower you in how to serve them that I believe God, by his spirit, is wanting to shift us in our hunger for him, shift us in our desire to see his spirit actually do stuff in our lifetime. I don't know about you, but I'm sick of empty churches. I'm sick of people moving away from God, rejecting God. I want to see a break of his spirit again. I want to see um, people being filled by his spirit again. I want to see people walking into the church and being healed again. I want to see people experiencing full-on radical shifts of how they think of themselves, of their family members, of situations where they're desiring to find forgiveness and reconciliation with people in their lives. I want to see that. I don't want to sit in church and just hear something going on and just leave and... Cool. Like, let's do work again. I want to leave going, okay, I'm ready. Lord, this week, I want to hear from you. I'm hungry for your spirit. And I don't know about you, but I would love for us to be engaged in that process. Not just dissecting the word, not just, oh, I wonder what that means. And oh, have you ever read that thing over there? How amazing. And then tomorrow we're like living the same life and not being changed. God wants his spirit in us. And like Paul is saying, this is not how we got here in the first place. If you're sitting here and you are a Christian, God has done something already in you and that is not by your own doing. That was never by our own doing. It was because of the grace and the mercy of God that he stood with us in a moment of our life and he shone a light on something in us and we're like, bing, whoa, And that is only by the grace of God. That is by his spirit. And he is wanting to do that work in us daily. He is wanting to stir it up again. He is wanting to move again in us. But are we willing to sit, silence ourselves, our inner talk, 
Are we willing to disengage with the distraction? Are we willing to meditate, to think, to read his word and go, okay, okay, here's where he's going with this. Are we willing to speak where there's not something into being? Are we willing to declare his word in the circumstances of our life? And then are we willing to not just be like, Lord, you do it all, but are we willing to contemplate and sit with the fact that he is wanting to do something in us to get us to bring that into the place that he wants it to be?